you would, go ahead and uh, turn in your Bibles to uh, Romans chapter number 1. If you can't preach after that, I should just quit. I, uh, you always have a lot of things that you plan to say before you get up to preach, but I feel like the Lord just wants us to move into this passage tonight. You know, the truth is, what is Missions Conference? Missions Conference is a celebration of what the gospel has done what the gospel is doing, and what we plan to do with it in the future. I mean, everything about missions conference goes back to the gospel because everything in our Christian life goes back to what they just sang. A bunch of unworthy sinners, blessed by the grace and gift of our Lord and Savior, God in the flesh, to pay our only way to heaven. How wonderful a thought is that? There was no other way. We couldn't do the way that was the only way because we're sinners. But God said, I've got that. I'll take care of it for you. How deep the Father's love Tonight I want to look at the gospel, because as a missionary I have one tool in my tool belt, and it's the gospel. That gospel story is the only thing that can melt a heart of stone, it is the only thing that can change an eternal destination, it's the gospel. Now there are a lot of things that I can do that will, uh, as we go to the mission field, I'll learn the language, we'll learn the culture, uh, we will do things to get to meet people, and these are things that will help the gospel. But then and of themselves are nothing. Without the gospel, all the good works, all the niceties and the nice things that we do, they're all in vain. It is only by the gospel, with the gospel, and through the gospel, that anything will ever happen right here or in Patagonia. The only reason we're sitting here tonight is the gospel. If you would, look with me in verse number 13. It says, Now I would not have you ignorant, brethren, that oftentimes I purposed to come unto you, but was let hitherto, that I might have some fruit among you also, even as among other Gentiles. I am debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation, and to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray for a few moments in Jesus' name. Lord, that you'll lend me your spirit. Lord God, I pray that your presence would settle in, Lord, among us. Lord, as I believe you're already working, Lord, may our hearts and minds get in tune with you. I pray that you would bless the ear of the hearer and the heart of the listener. Lord, give me the words to say, nothing more than you would have me say, and nothing less. 
I pray that your presence would be real among us, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. You know, when I was a little boy, I was a lot like Judson is now. Uh, my dad often uh, will watch Judson get in trouble or do something and just laugh and smile. He said, son, you deserve that. And I said, was I that bad? He said, oh, you were worse. He said, God's blessing Cassie, and that's why he's not as bad as you were. And I said, well, I can believe that. We've, I've often prayed that God would allow uh, her sweetness to balance out the behavior of our children. Uh, let's just say I broke in a lot of belts uh, growing up. Uh, I, I made sure Dad stayed limbered up. That was my duty as a child. Uh, but I had uh, a lot of the same things that Judson likes to do, and one of his favorite things to do is tear things up. If he can get his hands on something, he wants to pull it apart. Now, it's not for the purpose of destruction. It's just I want to see what all parts are fit inside this thing. Now, with Madison, when she was little, she likes to act like she's all mature and things now. But when she was little, she was the same thing, except she being a girl actually had a purpose in taking things apart. And that was to see how it would work. She wanted to see how it would work. So she usually, you could put them back together. And, and it was usable. Judson usually when he's done, well, it's done. Uh, but so... Uh, tonight, though, I want to do a similar thing. I want to take apart this passage. And I want to look at it from the inside out. Uh, you know, a lot of the, the big thing today in, in trying to steal someone's patent, they call it reverse engineering. You find something that someone did, and you take it all apart so you can see how they do it. Uh, but tonight, I want to look at this passage. I want to kind of uh, go in reverse order and look at the gospel from the inside out as the Apostle Paul gives it to us tonight. And I want to notice here in verse number 17 as we're going to start from the back and work our way to the front that the gospel, uh, it has a purpose to it. Uh, this whole passage that is dedicated to the gospel, um, he, he kind of lays it out for us uh, what its purpose is, what, what's its reasoning, why, why do we have the gospel. And simply in verse number 17, I like that he put the cookies on the bottom shelf for simple people like me. And uh, he said this, the purpose of the gospel was so that God could reveal himself to us. You know, John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was God, and the Word was with God. Verse number 14, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. You know, we had written in the Old Testament, we had the presence of God recorded. We had the act of God recorded but when Jesus Christ came to earth, we had God revealed to us in person. We had the whole purpose was for God to reveal himself, who he really is to us. You know, I love that when you look at God revealing himself to us, we, we have to go back to the garden. That's where it all started. The whole purpose of creating man was so that he could walk with man in the garden and each day he could reveal himself a little more to Adam. They could have a personal relationship. We know that sin destroyed that personal relationship and, and there was a division uh, between God and man and the whole purpose of this gospel story, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ was to restore that relationship so that he could be our God and we could be his people. God's whole purpose in this gospel, this good news, 
is that we can know God. I mean, many of you may have come from a, another religious background where God is this distant being that we can't know, that we couldn't understand, or uh, that, that someone else had to be between us and God. What a wonderful thing it was when we realized that the whole purpose for Jesus coming was to take out that middle wall of partition, to take away that veil, to take away any person being between you and Him. It's just us and God. What a wonderful thing. As we go to Patagonia, we have an opportunity to take that good news that God can save any man and wants to save every man. He wants to reveal himself to them. As we were on our survey trip last year, it was amazing to see for me how open that they were to the gospel. You think of Argentina and you think of uh, being very Catholic because to them to be Argentine is to be Catholic. They're, they're one and the same. There's no separation. And then now with the Pope having been Argentine, it's just, it's so much the more in their mindset. But then you can take the Bible and begin showing them the Word of God, and all of a sudden it's not about Catholic. It's about, wait a minute, Jesus? Jesus loves me? Because they thought it was all Mary, and then they started seeing that it was just, wait a minute, Jesus was sinless and God, and He died for me? And you watch that, their face light up as that truth for the first time of God is revealed to them. That's the purpose of the Gospel is to be revealed. You know, as a, as a kid, one of my favorite things before Christmas was to guess what is in every box, what every single present was. I mean, that was kind of what I wanted to do for Christmas. And my dad knew that that was something I enjoyed to do, so he decided he was going to completely outsmart me. Uh, my fifth birthday, or my fifth Christmas, I mean, um, uh, he had one box for me, one box. It was about this tall, about this wide, about this wide, and wrapped it. That was my only present. And I'm like, he could have taken everything in its mother, dumped it inside that box. I will never guess what's in there. You know, and the rules were that I couldn't touch it. So I'd have to just look at the box and think about what I said I wanted, you know, and that sort of thing. Well, obviously, I'm guessing everything under the sun. You know, there's another brother in there. That wasn't happening. Thank goodness. The one I had was enough. Uh, you know, and I, I'm guessing all these things, and I was completely wrong till Christmas morning when I opened the box, and I got every single brand new Tonka truck, the metal ones, except for the steamroller. They were out, but I didn't really need the steamroller. I just need stuff you could dig and tear up things with, and I got every single one of those. That was nowhere close to what I had guessed on my list. It was a lot easier to know what, was, what the present was once the wrapping paper was gone, once the box was gone, and then it was revealed to me. You know, it's so much easier to know God in light of the gospel. Because He is a holy God, and a price had to be paid. But His love is equal. And he said, listen, you can't pay the price that I require for my holiness, 
but I love you so much I'll pay it for you. So we see the purpose of the gospel. But then not only the power of the gospel, the power of the gospel is in that thought, it's the power to redeem us. I mean, in verse number 16, look at it. It says, it is the power of God unto salvation. What a wonderful thing that God could redeem us. And Romans chapter number 5 and verse number 11, it says, and, uh, and, not only, and not only so, but we also joy in God through the Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men that all have sinned. So many times we, we get caught up in, in the, who we are, and, and we get caught up in what we have done. And, and I don't know about you, but there are times, even though I know I'm saved, I feel that I so do not deserve to be saved. How could God love me so much? I had a sister-in-law who uh, grown up Pentecostal her whole life. Her grandfather was her pastor her whole life, and their whole family had grown up in that movement, and she never could understand eternal security. She couldn't understand, how can you be once saved, always saved? I mean, how does this work? And I said, well, it's simple. I said, just as sin passed upon all man because of Adam, Jesus Christ erased it all, and His grace, His love, everything is so powerful. You can't out how much He loves you. You can't out how much He redeemed you when you accept Him by faith. Listen, this power of the gospel, it can penetrate the coldest heart. It can redeem the most wicked soul. It can redeem any person who by faith will put their trust in Jesus Christ. You know, that's my hope being a missionary because we're not going in my power thank goodness I can tell you every day that power is decreasing and you know how it is on those days where you you lay in bed and you only end up with you feel like 30 minutes sleep the next day you're like am I even alive <laughs> you just keep kind of tapping yourself and trying to stay with it and I'm glad that when we go to the mission field it's not about us it's not about my skills or ability. It's, it's not about who I am or what I've done in my life. The reason that God is going to bring forth fruit and Lord willing bear fruit even to your account, the whole reason that's going to happen is that the power is through Jesus Christ. He has the power to redeem. Redeem, to buy back. I like that. My dad used to always charge us money for everything. Because if we didn't buy it, we wouldn't care for it, is what he said. I think he was just trying to make a profit, but still. When we went to work with him, which was a forced event, by the way. I mean, he was a drywall contractor, and so there were not options. He was also a drill sergeant drafted during Vietnam, and when he got out of the Army, he forgot he got out when it came to raising us. So there was not a lot of choices to be made in our house, and there were no emotions allowed. Uh, the only emotion in our house was anger, uh, and that was the only acceptable one. You better keep that in check, too. But he always made us go to lunch or go to work, but he would make us buy our lunch. He would not even give us lunch for free. He said, because if you don't have to buy your lunch, you won't eat it. He said, if I buy your lunch, you'll throw away what you don't want. I'm like, jerk. <laughs> but he was right. 
when he made me pay for things, if I broke something and I had to pay for it, I was a little more careful the next time. Because things that we invest in are precious to us. So what does Jesus see when he looks at us? Precious. Because he redeemed us. He bought us back. God could have overturned his decision of sin any way he decided to do it. But he did it in such a way to put a price tag on his love for us that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That's precious. Not only do we see the purpose of the gospel, the power of the gospel, but in verse 16, the very first part, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, the person of the gospel. Paul's letting us know, listen, this good news is for God to reveal himself to us. And how is he going to reveal himself unto us? By buying us back to him, taking away everything that separates us from him. Well, how is he going to take away everything that separates us from him? He's going to do it by the payment of Jesus Christ, my Savior. I can't help but remember what it was like as a five-year-old boy the first time the gospel really clicked and quit being a story and became personal. I was coloring in the pew, facing the wrong direction, just trying not to get a whooping. You know, you just survived the service without getting a whooping. It was a success. I mean, that's how you knew you had a good day at church. You know, what did you learn to be quiet? Because my dad said children were to be seen and not heard. That was what we were told before every service. Children to be seen and not heard. So I'm just trying to survive. But I heard that preacher talking about all that my Jesus suffered. And salvation could have been done any other way, but Jesus Christ, my Savior, he personally did it. You're sitting here tonight knowing that you're on your way to heaven, not because of any good works and not anything to do with us, but because of the person of Jesus Christ. So we were there in Argentina. I, I had never, I, have, I had friends in high school that were, uh, that went to a Catholic church, and I wouldn't say they were Catholic, but I didn't know a lot about Catholicism, just to be honest. I mean, what I learned as far as a textbook, but not what it was like to be Catholic. As we were there in Argentina, I realized that there was very little knowledge or emphasis put on Jesus. Most everything was all about Mary. Jesus was just her son. Uh, they recognized the story to die on the cross. But do you know in Argentina, uh, Easter is just a three-day weekend like we treat Labor Day. Nobody goes to church on Easter Day because there's nothing important about Jesus. Everything that they're kind of taught in their life, it's, it's either about the church or it's about uh, being good or it's about some work that they could do or something else. And Jesus just seemed to be left out of the story. And I'll be honest, as we walked through that one uh, cathedral, that was in um, Cordoba. Uh, as we walked through there, it just, 
it broke my heart because I realized they're missing the best part. Because the person of Christ, he's the best part. That friend that sticketh closer than a brother. That one who will never leave us nor forsake us. Uh, the one who's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the one that makes all of this what it is. It's all about Jesus. And my heart broke as I stood there. And Cassie and I began to cry just thinking, if they could just only meet my Jesus. My pastor was Brother Steve Sparks there in Loganville, Georgia. and I had gotten away from the Lord as a teenager on July 4th, 1996. A friend of ours was shot and killed right after we had left uh, uh, his house there. He had a, a party that 4th of July, and I had my very first migraine, so I can't complain about migraines. They've saved my life before. And we left, and a fight broke out, and he was killed. That was enough to get our attention, and I started going to church, and when I started going to church, I, I, I just said, you know what, Lord, you're going to, whatever you want me to do, I want to do it all. My dad had ran a bus route my entire life, and so I, I started wanting to serve the Lord, and I said, you know what, I, I'm, I like kids, I can, I'll do a bus route. So I started doing a bus route, going knocking doors, and you know, just to be honest, it was a little bit about the competition. I don't like to lose in anything. If my kids win, they, they earned it. Uh, even Judson, I mean, we're not going to just play fight and he gets to win all the time. I don't think so. If we're playing checkers, if we're playing chess, if we're playing words with friends, whatever it is, I have one goal, to crush them. I'm trying to help them. We don't do participation wards at my house. The goal is to win. I mean, that, that's really what it's all about for me. But you know, when I think about my Lord, he's worth it. But I was in the bus ministry, and I wanted to win. I wanted to knock more doors than anybody else. I wanted to stay out longer because we got points for the hours we were out, points for the doors we knocked, points for the kids on our bus. I liked the kids, don't get me wrong, but winning was nice. Then these kids started getting saved. And I started getting to lead them to the Lord. I didn't really know what I was doing. I mean, I knew how to tell them how to be saved, but I wasn't really good at it. And I went to my pastor, and I said, Pastor, I want to I learn how to be a soul winner. You're winning people to Christ every week and bringing them down the aisle. People are getting baptized, and I want to learn how to do what you're doing. He said, okay, meet me at my office Saturday morning at 7 o'clock. His office was the McDonald's down the street from the church. So I met him there at 7 o'clock. We come in, and we walk up to the counter, and there's this new girl. You could tell she was training there at the register and I watched the worker who was training this lady look at my pastor and take a step back I noticed that other people stopped working and I'm like <laughs> something's about to happen I, my spotty sense is saying I should give him some room and she says good morning how are you he responded with thanks great to Calvary do you know Jesus and he's and he goes into as loud as every person in there could hear, giving the gospel, telling what Jesus Christ did for him and how you could be saved. And he did it in just a couple of minutes. Everywhere he went, he was that way. We went door knocking and knocked on the first door, and he gave this great spiel about being the pastor of Victory Baptist Church. And 
he's just crying and weeping with them, wanting them to be saved. And you know, next door is my turn. I go to the door, I knock, and uh, my name's uh, Raleigh. We're from uh, Victory Baptist Church. And I look over at him for some help. And he's just looking at the person smiling. Not even looking at me like I don't even exist, just smiling. I'm falling all over myself. I am dying like just a dead duck. I'm just flopping around. And he's just smiling. I finally just said, here, come see us. And I walked away, and he walked away with me. We got, I said, thanks for the help. He said, you'll get it. He said, I'll do the next door. He does the next door. Go to the next door, it's mine. Guess what? He let me die again. After about 20 times of just dying and him kind of trying to help me and correct me as going through it, I slowly started getting to it. And, but the thing was is that I noticed that, that at every door, it was real to him. And I said, you know what, Lord, I want that kind of salvation. I want what you've done in his heart. I want that work in my heart. And I knew that I was saved, but I could just tell that I didn't know the person of Jesus quite like he knew the person of Jesus. And the truth is, we can be saved, we can come to church for a long time, and you know, when we first get saved, we can be excited. Sometimes you come for a little while, and you forget about the person of Jesus like you used to. You know, when you first get saved, and you're all fired up, you're excited about it, and then after a little while, it begins to fade a little bit. Hey, can I encourage you? Just go back to the person of the gospel. There are plenty of lists for us to not do and things for us to do. But if we'll start with Jesus, all that gets easier. Because when you start longing after the person of the gospel, you want to get rid of anything between you and him. Can I tell you, Speaking as a missionary, when I look at our field, I recognize that it is not America. It's different. It's cold. The weather's rather harsh. Argentines are known for being a little proud. No more proud than Americans are, though, so we at least have practice there. I know that they've, most of them have been involved in some type of religion or even idol worship their whole lives. But also know if I can just tell them about my Jesus, it'll all be worth it. I don't have to tell them about me. Just tell them about him. and He'll melt that heart. He'll change that life. You know, you get to take that light and to run into the darkness and just say, hey, there's hope. And it's in Jesus Christ. That leads me to the last thing in this passage in verse number 14. The pull of the gospel. When you realize the purpose is for God to reveal himself unto you and that he reveals himself through salvation, in the person of Jesus Christ, it leads to verse number 14 where Paul says, I am debtor. Because when I look back to the day as a five-year-old boy, I didn't get saved for fire insurance. 
Hell was the farthest thing from my mind when I got saved. I heard about a Jesus that loved me, took my stripes, and wore my crown of thorns, and was nailed with my nails, and hung on my cross. I can remember stopping what I was doing and just that nobody had ever loved me like that. I realized nobody had ever loved me like that ever again. This was Jesus. And I got saved because of the love of Christ. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. For the love of Christ constraineth me. That's what Paul is saying when he says, I am better. He said, I have to. He said, look, I, I'm trying to apprehend that for which I am apprehended. I follow after. I remember when I saw Cassandra come out of the Sunday school classroom with her brother. I met her brother a, a week before school started at West Coast. We, were, uh, we arrived early, and just like every good college student training for the ministry, we were put right into ministry trainings. We planted sod. Uh, you know, that's, that's how it is. You think, I'm coming to learn to preach. First thing we're going to do, we're going to plant sod. That's good. Came in very useful. But we started doing that. We hung out, and we were real good buddies. And about a, I guess, I don't know, less than a month into school, I watched him come out of the class, uh, Sunday school class, when I was getting off my bus with this extremely beautiful young lady. And I knew that it couldn't be his girlfriend. It's just not possible. If you met him, you'd understand. She got the looks, we'll just say that. And I began to ask him about her, you know, and he said, oh, you mean my sister? And I was like, no, that couldn't have been it. But he went from being my friend to my best friend like that. It was just quick. But when I saw her come out of that Sunday school classroom, I was apprehended. And I spent the rest of our dating relationship trying to apprehend that for which I was apprehended. And see, when you see Jesus for who he is, like Paul did, the murderer, and he could be redeemed, he said, how can I not? See, when he fell in love with Jesus, he said, for the rest of my life, I follow after. I am better. Church, can I tell you tonight, missions paying our debt to the person of Jesus Christ because if our gospel be hid it is hid to them that are lost that pull of the gospel when you see who God is and I'm telling you that love that can so overwhelm us Lord, how could you love a worm like me? You realize that it was the person of Jesus Christ that took your place. In my heart, I have to say, sign me up, Lord. Where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? I'm in. Because, see, I got saved as a five-year-old boy, but as a teenager, I... I got reintroduced to that prodigal son kind of love. And I realized that when I got away from God, and it was time to get right, he was still in the same place 
waiting for me with his best. And he never threw me away. But he let me come right back. And then he called me to preach. And then he called me to be a missionary. And now I get the privilege to go and be the only gospel that an entire group of people have ever heard. All I can say is yes, Lord. But I want to ask you tonight. What's God calling on you to do? See, I can reach Argentina. Who's going to reach southern Florida? Same gospel. Same need. But when the person of Jesus asks us to go, what will we say? With every head bowed and every eye closed as pastor comes. I have to ask you tonight, if you don't know my Jesus, please don't leave here tonight without him. But if you do know my Jesus, would you just be willing to say, yes, Lord, whatever you would have.